This podcast is brought to you by Rupert Neve Designs. Chances are most of your favorite records from the last five decades were made using company founder Mr. Rupert Neve's legendary equipment, and Rupert Neve Designs carries on his legacy of classic sound for engineers, musicians, and listeners of today and beyond. Learn more at rupertneve.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. Mixer Jesse Ray Ernster, who mixes without a console or even a desk, recently sat down with legendary mix engineer Bob Clearmountain, whose work has been omnipresent in hit radio for decades, for an informal chat about their workflows, Dolby Atmos, and more. Check out our feature in Tape Op, and look for video of this chat as well on our website and YouTube channel. Enjoy! So on that note, <laughs> Bob. How you doing, Jesse? Good. How you nice doing, to Bob? meet you, man. Yeah. Or nice to see you. Yeah. We've met actually met before. We have indeed. Yeah. How's how's life? How's mixing treating you? Oh, it just sucks. <laughs> it's no, a bad everything, life. Everything's great, you know. You know, as long as I don't turn the, turn on the news, everything's fine. Uh, I second that. Well, what are you working on these days? Um, just Apogee stuff, really. I do a lot of stuff for Apogee. We're uh, upgrading our plugins, and um, amazing. A few things we're upgrading. This, always upgrading our studio here. We're um, about to start doing some radio shows again, and other types of hopefully, maybe some live streaming. So we've upgraded our our kind of video setup, which is just my own little personal project, and that I'm having fun with. You know, being an audio guy, it's fun, kind of fun messing around with home video a little bit. Yeah. So when you're mixing for radio, uh, does that change your, you know, preference of the types of monitors that you would listen to? No, not really. You know, because I, uh, I mean, I assume that people listen to radio on sort of home speakers anyway, and that's what I'm mixing on. Yeah. I don't have any soffit-mounted speakers. They're, they're all just little the bookshelf speakers. Mostly, so it's pretty much the same. How about yourself? I mean, what do you do? You mix radio shows at all? You ever do that? I do not. Right. But while we're on, I'm sure you will someday. I, I, <laughs> it seems cool. It or, seems like a, a or really video. Yeah, yeah. I I did a bit of of making music for picture in the past, but uh, it seems like years ago now. Uh it's my understanding that you were the pioneer who brought NS10s into the recording studio space. And the first time that I went to your house uh, to visit with you last year, I was so excited on the drive over. I was like ready to share my just lifelong uh, unhealthy obsession with NS10s. <laughs> and, you know, I modified these speakers. I have uh, almost 10 different sets of them. Wow. And trying out the different drivers and the new options available. And I got into your studio and I didn't see a pair in sight. I said, Bob, Bob, where are the, where are the NS10s? <laughs> and you said, oh, I'm not into that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> My heart sunk a little bit. Um, I guess it got too popular for me. You know, I thought, well, everybody else is doing this. And then uh, I kind of started. I don't see. I don't feel that I, I really started. There was a guy named. 
Bill Shenneman, who was a friend of mine at Power Station, one of the other engineers who uh, just passed away, unfortunately, this week, which is really sad because he was a really good guy and a good friend and uh, also became a professor at Berkeley School of Music um, in their, um, their recording program. And he was the one, because I was looking for some speakers to mix on, because I had been using my uh, KLH-17s from when I was a kid, and, and they were just falling apart. I mean, they were just crumbling, you know. Uh, speakers just last just so, far, so long, and then you've got to replace them. And I couldn't find replacement drivers for them. And he said, oh, you should try these, these NS-10s. Um, he had just done a, a session out here at... Motown Studios, I think, when they had a studio here. And he said, yeah, they work pretty well. You know, you ought to try them out. And they were sitting on the floor of the control room for, of Studio C at Power Station. And I put them up, and, yeah, they sounded okay. They're not the best-sounding speakers in the world, but at least they, it was a good replacement for the ones that I was using. And I did a mix and took it home, and it uh, sounded pretty good, although it was, um, it was a bit on the dull side. Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, then... They did seem a bit bright, so I thought maybe the the tweeters are a little pushing a little heavy on this. As far as I and I and I like duller speakers anyway. For some reason, I'm overly overly sensitive to bright. Me too. Bright stuff, and uh, so I put some. We had these things called Kim wipes in the in the studio, which are I guess they're lintless uh, tissues, and we use them for cleaning the heads on the tape machines on the multi track machines, and um, so well, let me take some of that and put it over the tweeter, and that seemed to work. I took a mix home, and, okay, there it is. That, that sounds right now. And, uh, and then I did an interview at the time. I think I had, like, th- four or five songs in the top ten, and I had done an interview with some magazine, and they asked me, oh, what are you mixing on? And I said, well, these little Yamaha things, these NS10Ms. Before I knew it, because at the time <laughs> I was, like, you know, the the hit the hit mixer just happened just out of I mean it wasn't anything that I was doing it's just that the, my clients were doing really well you know I had Sheik I had Sis, Sister Sledge I had Bowie I think and the Brian Adams the Rolling Stones the Pretenders um, Simple Minds you know in excess I mean there were all these bands that all these records that were huge and uh, so everybody said well that must be the secret. Right. This must be the NS10s. Yeah, well, it's not. You know? <laughs> but then it, they become really popular. Totally. And there, there is something about them that makes you do the right thing. There, I must admit, it, it was a good dis- discovery for me because they just worked. They're, they're incredible for revealing uh, microdynamics and and issues in imbalances. I guess. I yeah. Should say. Like something about them just. If you do like a faders up mix, like you can mm. really balance a band. Yeah, really yeah. quickly. Yeah, they might not be the best for EQing, you know, right. certain areas of the spectrum, but. Yeah, well, they were a bit, um, you know, they had a little hump around. Uh, One six? Know. Yeah, some, somewhere now, around Snarly. Yeah. And, um, oh, sorry, the lower the hump. The lower yeah, end, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like 120 cycles or something like that. Yes. And then they'd roll off mm-hmm. below that. So there wasn't anything at like 80 or 70. Yeah. You know, so you couldn't really judge that. I would judge that by seeing how much the, because it's, it was a white cone on the speaker, by watching how much it moved, because mm-hmm. you couldn't really hear it. Exactly. Know? Like if it was really going crazy, oh, I better put a high pass in 
the bass drum or the bass or something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You've experienced a lot of success. You've been a part of a, a lot of great records. Um, I think I would describe you as a, a humble passenger. It seems that you're very just grateful to have been along for this tremendous ride. Um, but who's the Bob that we don't know? What's the side of you uh, that maybe the readers or the viewers don't don't quite know about? With your, well, let me take that again. What is the uh, when you're starting a mix or hitting send on a mix? Starting or sending? I'll go with the starting. All right, third time's the charm. Here we go, here we go. Don't worry about it. But when you sit down to start a mix, what is the inner dialogue? What's the side of Bob Clear Mountain that maybe we don't know about? Is it humble, confident, nervous, excited? Well, what's easy to be, for me to be humble because I'm the best, of course, everybody knows that. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> You know, so I know when I start a mix, it's going to be perfect, isn't it? No matter what I do. You know? No, actually, I, I mean, I don't really, it's, I don't know what, what the answer to that question is because to me, I, I get totally absorbed by, by the mix and by the, whatever it is I'm doing. It just completely takes over. It's not, I don't think there's any kind of, um, you know, uh, it's never, oh, I, I know what to do with this. You know, I, I never have any kind of preconceived notion. I kind of let the music, uh, it sounds idealistic, I guess, and uh, but I really, uh, I absorb whatever it is that I'm mixing and then just let it tell me what to do. Basically, you know, I'll just sit there and, and I'll keep trying to make it better. And, I'll, you know, I search out um try to get to the bottom of what the production is or the the song is sometimes i'll listen to the lyric sometimes the lyric doesn't mean anything because it's stupid or whatever <laughs> and then i just go for the okay where what's playing the hook what's playing the melodies um i learned from a guy that who uh started at motown and i used to watch him mix and he would push you know every time there was something that was like a a little hooky sort of thing he would push that. I just watch his hands, and uh, you know that's kind of that's the most training I ever had. I think as far as what I, about mixing, uh, just watching this guy who who was he was crazy, but he was very good. <laughs> and um, so yeah, that's it. And uh, there really isn't any, um, you know, my own persona disappears i think completely when i'm mixing i just don't think about it i mean it gets to a point where i'll i'll, I'll, uh, I'll say oh i know what i'll do with this thing and then uh, i'll draw from something that i've done before possibly but it's you know the, when it's most exciting is when i think of something new and just the the music tells me to do do something and i oh let me try this i've never thought of this before you know I think that in the, in the first few years of, of learning to do what we do, there's this gap between, you know, hearing the song and having the ideas and then being able to execute them and then hear the result mm -hmm. and getting very happy with that result. Yeah. And especially now with computers and technology, there's, there's so many stages and kinks to work out. You know, how many mouse clicks comes between having the idea to boost the presence and the... Um, just overall quality of a vocal. Uh, how many steps does it take to actually get there? 
to where you're hearing it and you're pleased. And then usually once you've actually gotten there and like, okay, I successfully found the plugin and boosted the top end, but, but now it's not right. And, and then how many times are you refining and having to go back to do that? But I, I feel like it's, it's once you, do you feel that like once you get into that, that mode where you're not even consciously thinking about the technical a- attributes of mm-hmm. aspects of, of the job, you're just thinking musically, you're grooving. Is that really when you get in and you're, you're yeah, absolutely. And and it's interesting. You were saying mouse clicks and plugins and all that kind of stuff and which is the difference obviously between the way you work and I work cuz I work on an analog desk and I do use plugins a bit, but usually more when I I run into problems. And I go, "Well, how can I make this work?" Well, I can't quite get get to it on my SSL, and so I'll turn to a plugin. Um but most of the time it's I think it's easier for me because of the way, because everything's just laid out in front of me, and I just have to grab knobs. I don't have to think. I hardly have to think at all because it's it becomes instinctive. It's like somebody. It's like playing a guitar. If you're a good guitar player, you don't think about what where your finger's going to go to next, what fret you're going to hit. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the way I do it, and I don't have to think about clicks and plugins and okay what plugin is going to work for this because i just you know i have the same equalizer on every channel basically i got a couple things in the rack but i don't really you know those just for specialty things and so uh i think what you're talking about is for us old guys is much simpler you know and more um um what do you call it um, when you're not thinking about it? It's just more uh, streamlined. Yeah, uh, stream of consciousness is what I'm yeah, exactly. trying to the word that I'm trying to come up with, and um, so I'm I'm very I'm very lucky that way. I I think and I and, I, and even though records are it's I listen to your records and I don't know how you do it, you know. And I have a friend named uh, Chad Blake who um, amazing. Mixer. who also mixes in the box and it's amazing what he does you guys i don't know how you do it how you actually can keep your sanity while <laughs> having to open plugins and figuring out which plugin you're going to use on a particular thing and and uh it seems like there's a whole lot more decisions that you have to make when you're going through mixing something and it's 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 just seems a lot more te- i know when i sit down and try to do a mix in the box i just get pissed off and i just want to take the thing and fucking throw it in the pool yeah. <laughs> you know it just pisses me off where are you at with that most these days well love love hate yeah. really i love doing it uh, i love mixing atmos in my room it's just wonderful because it's just so much fun because uh, i basically i'm mixing stereo and and atmos at the same time i've been doing the same thing with five one for over 20 years but uh atmos just a few more speakers some stuff in the ceiling and um so basically I, i'm doing a stereo mix and while i'm doing the stereo mix at some point i'm kind of assigning speakers on my um output buses so i have a you know uh, this it's on the SSL, there's the, my mix faders, and then there's a small fader, which is a send from the output of the mix fader to the, the uh, multi-channel buses. And so I'm assigning a few of those. But I'm, I'm listening to the stereo while I'm assigning those. 
just while I'm doing it, while I'm doing the stereo mix. And at some point, when once I finally get this stereo mix happening and in automation and got all my rides going and it sounds pretty good, I will switch out my monitor over on my Apogee um, Symphony Mark II, which now has full Atmos monitoring and plus three sets of stereo speakers. I, I just hit a button and now I have, have stereo uh, or Atmos. And um, and then, I, then I'll just refine that and I'll say, okay, well, that doesn't sound too good in the back. I'll, let me put that on the side or whatever. You know, I'll just move those around a little bit. And... Um, and then I can I can trim. The, I'm using the small fader, which are normally at unity, just at zero. That becomes a trim between the stereo mix and the and the surround mix, or the Atmos mix. Gotcha. And uh, and so it's it's just a fun thing for me because you're listening to stereo most of the time, and then you click it over, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this is cool, <laughs> you know? The doors of perception have opened. Yeah, it just gets gets big, and all of a sudden you're sitting in the room with the band. And that's what I really love. Totally, it, the contrast here is amazing because I think that our uh, it's funny because we have the exact same job title. Which thank you for inventing my job, by the way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I appreciate. It. I, I really enjoy it. Um, You're welcome. As mixers, especially in Atmos, I think that our workflow is exactly the opposite. Mm. We've got the mixer with the uh, giant desk, uh, analog hardware. A mixing on speaker system for Atmos, mm. and I have no desk, completely in the box, spending most of the Atmos time uh, in headphones. Right. I've, uh, how, I mean, we were touching a little bit on this uh, behind the behind the scenes, but what are your views on the Atmos experience with speakers versus what the consumer will get when they listen to it on headphones or AirPods? Well, it's interesting because because the way I'm doing it, I can A B between. My stereo mix and my Atmos mix. I'm doing it at the, at the same time. It's just a, I, it's just a switch, you know. Um, and so I can plug my headphones in and I can listen to the stereo mix, and then I can listen to the binaural mix out of the renderer, and it usually doesn't sound quite as good as the stereo mix. Mm -hmm. And so then I go back and try to adjust the um, the Atmos mix. Cut 14k on everything and <laughs> and 400. God, they put a weird curve on that. Yeah, it's really it's really weird. And um, to me, it's, I usually end up having to push up the stuff that's in the back louder than I would mm. normally have it. Um, I have to turn the LFE down because you don't have any control. Unfortunately, Dolby doesn't give you any control over the, how much of the Gets of the there. LFE yeah. that goes into the binaural. I just don't even use it for that reason. You're smart not to use it. See, for me, I'm listening with a sub. <laughs> yes. And that's a separate, that's part of the the Atmos mix. Totally. And um, and so I, I really want to use it, but then I end up, wow, geez, it's just too much bass. It's, it makes any pair of headphones sound like beats. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, way too much bass. It's like, why don't they see this is one of the things where Dolby there's a whole nother subject about how Dolby screwed up, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, they didn't really screw up, but basically, basically they, they came up with a, um, an amazing bit of technology for movie theaters. And yeah, it's great. From I mean, I've actually never seen a movie in Atmos yet because there isn't one in, around here. But and then they decided to push it to music, and they said, "Well, it'd be fine for music too. Yeah. You know, what's the, what's? It's no different. It's really different. 
And that's one of the things is the LFE, you should, we should have some control over that. If you're going to push it in headphones, yeah. this binaural thing, and we're not in movie theaters anymore. Totally. You know, this is just home listening on headphones. And not only that, but there's all kinds of little things like in the renderer, the fact that it's got no transport control. It's got play and stop. You know, so if you want to play an Atmos, an ADM file in the rent, out of the renderer, you either have play it from the beginning or you have to type in a time code number. You know what I mean? I mean, it doesn't have the simple, like QuickTime movies have a little thing that you can just, you know what I mean? Sonos has a thing. The, my car stereo has that where you can kind of, you know, tell where to, where to, you can fast forward it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the Dolby right. renderer, nah, 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 we're not going to put that in there. Yeah. Well, I, I'm suspicious that, that, that's not even going to be really playing a role after a while. I think that well, yeah, I think, I think we're going right. to phase that out. I think the Apple Music and just yeah, well, with lo with Logic, it's all built in, so yeah. it doesn't matter. And Nuendo, I think, but I'm still on Pro Tools and yeah, me too. and of course I, I I play my mixes most of the time in Pro Tools, but so, every once in a while I want to play something, an actual ADM file out of the renderer itself. Yeah, you got to approve stuff and yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's tough, man. There, there's a lot of limitations and, and tricks. Um, well, I think that a lot of your artists and, and their fans are probably able to enjoy, uh, you know, the surround experience. Um, most of the gigs that I, I am having to do for Atmos, uh, it's, it's, I think, kids listening to spatial audio on Apple Music. Yeah, <laughs> that's what most of it, most of it is. So you're, you're actually right by mixing on headphones more so than what i do yeah well I, I definitely check on the speakers the the interesting parallel is that uh, i think what i've had to learn to do is ignore the lfe ignore the center channel because the center channel in spatial audio just sounds berserk it sounds just phasey and weird that's really yeah it makes the vocals super awkward okay no so i haven't noticed that I, I try to basically hug the objects left and right mm. and keep things as stereo mix as possible and then I just move things out a little bit wide, and then some things up. Now, I wonder, wait a minute, wait I, a minute. I try to avoid the rear channels, except for like some verb tails. And I try to do some like technical things uh, to make, so when it goes through QC at the label, they'll see, oh, this does have audio on every channel. This is an approvable Atmos file. Right, because you have to have something. <laughs> yeah. So it, but wait, rewind a bit. What is this thing about the center channel? I, I've never experienced this. Uh, just when I, whenever I've panned a vocal, like, you know, instead of using a stereo, like, because a lot of the music I do, okay, I'll back up a little bit. The Atmos mixes I do are in a separate session outside of the Pro Tools stereo mix session. Yeah. And I do that by printing stereo mix stems from my mix session. Uh, and then I make a new session for Atmos mixing. Right. And it has stereo stems. So the vocal will pop up as a stereo object, you know, 11 uh, and 12, yeah. uh, left and right. Um, if I were to, like... Then you have a phantom vocals yeah then it kind of lives phantom but if i split that out and make it just be like object 11 right up the center through yeah. the center speaker uh the results of that versus doing it left and right and, and spatial audio on the airpods is like night and day good one way is good and the other way is very much really? not good yeah wow it, it gets super bizarre and same with like putting things behind and a couple of my buddies have actually run like 
enormously time-consuming tests where they run different science sweeps and waveforms yeah. through, uh, out through logic, through spatial audio, and they kind of just measure the response. So they're able to see what's happening, you know, when an object goes from here to here to here to back to the sides and then back behind you and then up. And so now we're all kind of passing this information around and we're learning what counter moves to do when an object is in this spot or in this spot to make it sound flat and to kind of scrub well, out the anomalies and the artifacts. Maybe it's something to do with the objects. Because, I, I mean, I don't put an object. I've never put an object in the center. I just use the bed center. I don't use the beds either. I don't use the LFE or the beds. Yeah, I only use the beds. Uh, <laughs> I have I'm two only objects and if I want to float something oh, around the room. Cool. And it's really simple and it always works perfectly. We got a bed guy, we got an object guy. Yeah, well, so it might be that the problem with objects. Could be. You know, have you tried doing it? Try, I will. Well, try doing it with beds and see if you have the same problem. Yeah. Because I love the center speaker. Ah. Because when you're in a surround environment, like a like a proper surround system or an Atmos system with speakers, I love it because I can walk around the room and everything stays in the same place. The vocal stays in the center because just the, it's better than stereo for me. Because in stereo, if you walk to the right, the vocal will follow you to the right speaker, yeah. right? Which is the same thing. Not to mention, it's just eating up the headroom and possibility for other things to live left and right. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing. It just sounds. You know, when you when you switch from stereo with the um, the Phantom Center mm -hmm. to to the Atmos with you know it's spread out with the vocal and the snare drum just in the center mostly. I mean, I do a little bit of divergence in the left and right, so it's not only in the center, mm -hmm. but just for power, you know. Yeah. But all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, that sounds really. It all of a sudden sounds better, and it sounds more real. It actually does, totally. you know. But I guess in headphones, in, in headphones, it doesn't make that much difference between the stereo, the way I'm mixing in beds. When I switch between the stereo and the and the Atmos, it actually doesn't make any difference. Gotcha. The only thing that happens is some of the, the stuff in the back falls away a little bit. Right. You know, yeah. and it gets a little duller. And then they actually add ambience to it. Right. You know, in the, in, in the Dolby thing. Which is kind of freaky. And it's, and it's different than the way that it actually sounds later, too, yeah. on AirPods. Yeah. And see, that that makes me crazy because I'm very particular about my reverbs and ambience. And and that's what – that those get tweaked out quite and a bit. And now they're adding a little bit. Yeah, dude. Like, really? You're, gonna, you're just, like, adding extra stuff to, to, to my mix there? Why are you yeah. doing that? Yeah, I'm trying to embrace it. And we're kind of finding ways to scrub out the sound of the room. But it, it, that's the complicated part is that if you're monitoring on the Dolby renderer, yeah. that like version, their simulated room that Dolby has made that yes. you're listening to is a completely different algorithm. It's a completely different room than the one that Apple makes for you in your AirPods when you right. listen to it later. Right. And it, totally different curves too and totally different placements. So like before when the bass was in the right spot on the renderer in those same pair of headphones, when I listen on the same headphones through the mp4 through spatial audio it's like now the bass is in a different place it's right. it's completely it's written differently that's the thing that's so, why i don't pay attention oh, to that i've already i pay attention to the headphones but very very little because i think man it's just going to get screwed up no matter what i know that that was my approach at first i was i was so hesitant and then i realized like oh i 
if I don't get the approval on this Atmos with this A&R and with the artist, they're going to send it to somebody else who yeah. really doesn't care right. and who really does. <laughs> and then there, then my mix will get even worse. So like as a, I, I become the protector of my, right. of my youngling mixes. Yeah, no, I see, I see your point. No, you got to, you got to make it so embrace it. To, people like it. Yeah. yeah. That, well, that's, you know, you're doing the right thing for sure. You know, but then I always, you know, I'll send it out to for Atmos mastering, which is another new stage, a new job that I didn't yeah. really think existed before. And I'll have my guy Gerhard do the mastering on speakers, and he'll make sure everything's great and that it's future proof and that it's always going to sound right. good in any type of car or theater and sound bar. And and he goes like measure by measure, a being against the stereo mix, the approved master, and mm -hmm. and just making sure, yep, all the levels are right, the fold down is right, and. Yeah, man, it's a lot to think about. I yeah, think. I know. That's the thing. It's, it's <laughs> weird that we've been pushed into this era, the, this way of, of working. But I, I, th I think in a couple of years it's going to go away. Yeah. I really do. I think people will go, okay, well, the headphone thing doesn't really do anything. And I can't afford to, to put a, an Atmos system in my home. And uh, eh, stereo's fine. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it'll just sort of fade away. But I don't know. You know, maybe not. I, I, I hope it could. I really hope that just the opposite happens. I'm, I'm hoping that, that these um, home audio companies, you know, whoever it is, Sonos or um, uh, Pioneer or Sony, will come up with inexpensive Atmos systems. Well, my, my wife Betty had the best idea was, you know, why not design speakers into the base of really nice looking table lamps and floor lamps? So you could, you know, you could set up an, a full Atmos system in your living room and your wife won't even notice, right? Because it's all wireless. You know what I mean? And, and lamps you have to plug into the AC anyway. So, so you have some floor standing lamps. You have some table lamps and some end tables in the back. And and there there you have it. And then there's there's speakers pointing up at the ceiling that are bouncing sound you know, the height thing off the ceiling. Why not why not do that? I've been trying to I have a an Atmos uh, sorry a Sonos uh, like a five one system at home with the the Arc sound bar the sub and the two little one speakers. The little Atmos one speakers are amazing. You know, so this is great. They're really good sounding really, speakers. Yeah. And uh, I spent about two hours the other day trying to play something off of Apple Music in Surround, and I couldn't get it to happen. It's coming through the Apple TV and through this little arc thing, and the, you need a TV with a special output. It's, like, massively complicated. You know, I, I have two record, full recording studios, and I couldn't make the damn thing work. You know, <laughs> how does anybody at home able to do that? I mean, there's got to be – somebody's got to come up with a way to do this. Yeah. At home, because because it's a wonderful experience, man. When you're sitting there, and you and you're, it feels like you're right sitting in the middle of the band while they're recording this. Yeah. There's nothing like it, man. It's so fantastic. I mean, I'm a big fan, and and yet at the same time, it just pisses me off because, okay, who else can hear it? You know, you're you're kind of cramming in, into a pair of headphones. It'll get better though. They're they're really gonna push. You know, the way that they're 
programming that, and it's going to get incredibly so. captivating and, and believable. I really hope so. I'm really, I'm, I'm really pushing for it. And every time I talk to some, some friends at Apple, I said, "Why don't you guys do it, man? You have your little wireless HomePods, and then design them into." Uh, apparently, IKEA is already designing speakers into lamps. You know, I don't know if they're wireless or not, but uh, or how somebody told me that. Well, there you go. Okay, let's. Maybe we can do something better than Ikea. Yeah. I don't know. But if it's cheap enough so that people can afford it, I want people to hear this stuff. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Uh, Dolby and Apple are striving to create more immersive ways to enjoy entertainment. Yeah. And it's great. And I was really hesitant. I, th I thought, man, how incredibly capitalistic and, and just like Dolby's trying to sell units. and too. But how many jobs are being created in, in, in the music industry, too? Like... I think just about every studio owner I know has been able to really ramp up production and bring bring on staff members and bring Which on young great. people and, and there's mentoring going on and yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, because the internet itself pretty much killed the studio business for a while. You yeah. Know? Except for the few very top ones. And that's good to hear actually that some that studios are doing that and and putting people back to work. Yeah, I don't know if it's studios more as much as it is just individuals like yourself yeah, yeah. Or, or like me that have studios or well, home studios i guess right <laughs> yeah home studios yeah. G glorified home studio in your case uh weird science experiment lab uh, in my case <laughs> <laughs> but the but that's you know actually this is this is what's keeping recording and mixing interesting because there there's such a wide range now because you can mix on a big ssl or you can do a just as good of a mix uh, on a laptop mm -hmm. in, in your bedroom, which is fantastic. I think I think it's so great because how many how many people would be able to get a job in a, and do what I did? You know, back in the day, the recording studios were a, a normal thing, and you could just go get a job in one and learn how to do this. But nowadays, that's practically impossible for people. People can actually they could learn how to do it. On a laptop, they can watch YouTube videos or whatever it is, and just play around and 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 get. Go I don't know how you really did it, but you've done really well, obviously. And you you know, and your stuff sounds fantastic, it really does. Thanks, man. <laughs> so you use all objects in 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 uh, Atmos, then mm -hmm. you don't use the bed at all. No, I will put. A I've heard heard a lot of people do that. Yeah, I. I'm sorry. I do use two. What the the last two objects, seven and eight, is that the rears? Yeah. I'm sorry. Whichever ones are the backs, I yeah. I have a cinematic verbs plugin that just like hangs out there, all the time, yeah. oh. and I'll send if I have reverb or delay sends, I'll send those to the uh, the other reverb plugin just to like create some ambience that lives back. back there right. at certain moments. But you don't use like a quad reverb or anything like that. Generally, no. I'm like right. I'm sticking to the uh, sticking to the stereo mix stems and mm -hmm. just remaining faithful to that and spreading out and. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like such a different way. Yeah. yeah of totally. thinking. Yeah. Because for me, I'm very specific. You know, I want this guitar and that speaker, and that keyboard. Uh, this keyboard in the back. Well, dude, what you are doing is working because when you played me the Joe Bonamassa, um, oh, right. was, was it a uh, little demo mix? <laughs> you know, yeah, then, curtain call. 
curtain call, and then he comes in with that just ultimate Bonham groove. Just and then the guitar's wrapping around my head. I'm like, Whoa. And strings in the back. Clear mountains domain. I'm here. Yeah, well, that's the, the thing. I have, I have quad reverbs and then delays that are going You're generally in the back. I've just done a little template now for my effects sessions where I have, I have the domain um, returning. I have one uh, a single repeat returning to the sides. And then that feeds into another domain with a multiple repeat at, on the, at the same setting in, in the back. So you get this first repeat and then the next, and then all the rest of the repeats in the back. <laughs> so, so if you have a vocal in the front or something in the front, it kind of sweeps backwards, oh you know, which is really nice. I've never heard of anybody doing that. Yeah, it's kind of kind of fun. It was a, an idea I had for actually for our next version of the domain, which will be a six six outputs. It'll be Sweet. three three stereo delays and a bunch of other, other stuff. Basically, three times what it is now, and uh, and so that you'll be able to do yeah. that, and you'll be able to cross the delays and yeah. have things going from the back to the front, or through the front to the back, or. Awesome. To, from the sides to the front and back or whatever. You know, you'd be able to, there'd be all kinds of crazy shit that you can do. But that's ways off, unfortunately. It's going to be like in probably another year before we get to that. It's all right. But, um, but you know, so I'm, I'm trying to kind of think that way now with what I have. And you, you, can, you can do it. You can link things together and send things into, obviously, do all kinds of stuff like that. Do you go into the... Um, to the renderer and and set for the binaural. Do you set like near, you know, yeah. off, near, and far for the different channels? It's usually medium for most of it, and then yeah. some of them for certain applications. That's usually uh, my mastery guy will like change them sometimes. Oh really? He'll say like the bounce is going to sound better if you have these ones be near on this song. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm like. And sometimes it's hard to figure that out. I usually have the front off, the sides near and then the rest of them sort of mid i think i don't yeah. think i put any because the far is just too it's, too dark no, yeah it's nauseating yeah <laughs> i know it's too bad that there isn't i don't think i just don't think they've figured it out yet i don't think i don't know if they've figured out a way to do that you know i think there's a certain limitation to what what you can do you know just because of laws of physics i think agreed but I, I don't know, you know, I mean, maybe someday somebody's going to figure it out and you go, oh, check this out. I mean, without screwing up the, the, the timbre, the, the actual sound of something. Yeah, I agree. And, the, and they continue to update. Like, Apple continues to change the spatial audio. Like, They're really working on it. I am looking forward to the day when we have the option to have a virtual reality workflow. Yeah. It's where I can put the AirPods in. I can put on my, you know... Apple glasses right. or whatever it may be, because uh, I've eliminated a desk completely. I don't even yeah. have a work surface. I like I have the keyboard that sits in my lap, yeah. and then it's just me in the room with my speakers. And you have no faders or anything. You don't have no. to like a really. No, you don't I even I, have a. I, I would like to work on faders, but it's 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 just not the way I came up. I, I right. I don't know. I'm a mouse automation and section yeah. by section. It's just kind of the way I've gotten. Right, Fast. fair enough, and it works. It's great. It's yeah. great that you could do that. I couldn't possibly do that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just I just dream of taking it further because now I have all of that stuff. But then there's this monitor in front of me, and I hear flutter echo off of the monitor, and then I hear right. vocals and high end transients from drums and percussive elements bouncing off of my forehead hitting the monitor and then coming back to me and I'm getting this strange comb filtering yeah. in a very otherwise like reflectionless room. Right. It's not too dead. It's not creepy in there, but it's, and I don't mean like with ghouls and Halloween style stuff, but sonically it's not too dead. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I would love to be able to just mix in, you know, with the glasses, have the Pro Tools screen there, or even like I'm in this virtual studio. I have Bob Clear Mountains E-Series, is it a G or is it an E? It's e over G. G? It's, it's a, a G. G. Cool. E series EQ, but it's the G. E's in the that's that's really because then you get the G automation. That's, that's great. Yeah. So I would have that, and then this is like wired into some sort of elaborate just software where every single strip on the console responds, and you could just go for it, and you know it tracks your limbs and every single finger <laughs> movement, and I'm I'm able to just flow and work and go for it. That'd be great. Instant recall on any mix because right. you don't have to do it. It right. just happens. You know, it's mirroring this virtual mix software. Someday. Someday. Somebody's going to get nail that. Yeah. I think. I hope so. Do you think you would jump in there and give it a try? Would you have fun? Absolutely. I can see it. Yeah. In a minute. I would. You know, if it, if it worked and if it was easy and it was – and the, the automation worked the way that – or. It, in a similar way to the way the, way the SSL automation works. Because I right. think they, it's, it just works so well that I don't have to think about it. I could just ride stuff. You Probably know? be voice. I just like, I like riding the faders, you know, and, uh, and just listening and not having to go in and, and do clip yeah. audio or whatever it is. You'd probably be able to say, like, Siri, put me in a measure 12. Give me a one-bar pre-roll. Uh, latch on channels 1314. And the boom, we're in. All right, punch yeah. out. Yeah, it's just like yeah. See, even that would be too assistant. much. That'd be, <laughs> that would be too much for me. Just what you what you just just the, those because the SSL you don't even have to do that. You just touch it. you just touch the fader and you hit the button or whatever, and just, just does what you want it to do. <laughs> You'll have to show me how that works at some point. Well, Jesse, the, the, this has been fascinating. Really, I, I'm I'm. It's really getting. I love getting into your brain about. Because it's so different nowadays, and you're more the mainstream type of mixer nowadays than than I am. That's for sure. And uh, it's such a different. Even though we're, we both like the same things, mm -hmm. and we're both trying to af we're trying to go after the same sorts of fields for our mixes. Um, it's just a, such a completely different approach, and I think it's it's fantastic. Yeah, right back at you, man. Uh, a lot of. Uh contrast and, and parallels and right more in common than than, than different yeah i think so absolutely yeah. just, just different different ways of getting to to that place yeah you know but it's just been fantastic talking to you and and this was fun yeah let's do it again soon great cool man thanks for listening find us online at tapebop.com facebook twitter and instagram until next time 